0: The thing we know is that tourism will recover. I mean it's just about how and when but I would suggest that kind of tourism as we used to know it is never going to come back. It's going to be a very very different type of tourism that will emerge.
1: In August we are celebrating Women's Month in South Africa And as we reflect on our progress and achievements, the COVID-19 pandemic has further exposed the disparity and inequality women continue to endure in our society. Women leaders play a crucial role in driving change. And it's in this context that we at Investec have rolled out an initiative called Honoring the Women Behind the Mask. As part of this initiative, we will be hosting a series where women in leadership positions can share their stories with other women who look up to them for inspiration. Honoring the Woman Behind the Mask highlights the struggles and obstacles women are confronted with, yet, they continue to be resilient in the face of such adversities. The topics of our webcast will be wide ranging and will cover all aspects of business, the economy, Education, healthcare, and more. We want to create a platform where women's input as leaders in their respective industries are really valued. I'm Mal Humphreys, regional head of Investec in Pretoria, and today I have the pleasure of hosting a panel talking to an industry close to my heart and my previous role in aviation finance at Investec. The hospitality and travel industry has been among the hardest hit by the pandemic. As the global demand for travel stalled under the strict lockdown regulations imposed by many a government, many previously profitable businesses are unable to open their doors, with some airlines filing for business rescue, wide-scale restructures, and retrenchments across the industry. Given the uncertainty about the future, it's unclear how quickly the sector can recover, and even whether it will ever look the same again. Yet, the sector is crucial to drive economic growth and as a large scale employer. So let's get started. Bringing their insight, expertise and opinions to this discussion are our panelists. I would like to welcome Valma Korkuran, Country Manager for Sub-Saharan Africa at Airbnb, Kola Gimutlope, Chief Financial Officer at Transera International Airport, and last but not least, Lurice Rose, a long-standing friend from our days in aviation finance and Senior Director of Finance at Boeing Capital Corporation. The topic is top of mind, but before we get stuck in, please tell us a little more about yourselves and share a bit of your journey as a woman in this industry. Let's perhaps start off with Velma and then Paula and Lloris. Thanks again for joining us.
0: Thank you, Milani, And, you know, it's wonderful to be able to join you here this afternoon. I'm Velma Corcoran, and I'm the regional manager for Airbnb in Africa, currently looking after the Middle East. I've been with Airbnb for just over four years, and prior to that, I was the head of marketing at Cape Town Tourism. What people don't always know about Airbnb is the significant impact that it's had on tourism in South Africa. In an independent economic study that we did in 2018, we found that hosts and guests on Airbnb contributed to 8.9 billion rand to the South African economy, supporting the equivalent of 22,000 jobs. And prior to COVID, we saw that one in seven visitors that was coming to South Africa was staying in an Airbnb. And even more encouraging is our South Africans using the platform. One in four rounds spent on tourism accommodation in South Africa is spent on Airbnb. You know, so it's obvious that Airbnb is a significant contributor to the economy, but it is also it's an economic lifeline for many local families, and I think that's going to be really important as we emerge from this crisis. For me, the real potential um, is in the ability of technology to build more inclusive and diverse tourism. And to that end, we started a program called the Airbnb Africa Academy three years ago, which is really focused on how do we bring hosts from under-resourced so rural and township communities onto the Airbnb platform and give them the skills and resources to thrive. And to date, we've had more than 200 hosts come through the program. And we will no doubt talk more about Airbnb and how COVID has impacted the business and also how we're thinking about recovery. So maybe, you know, if I may, just a little bit about myself and how I've experienced the last five months. And I think, you know, unlike everybody else, it's been really tough. Um, predominantly because of this collision of worlds. You know, it becomes impossible to separate your role as a mother, a wife, a daughter, a teacher, an employer or an employee, and it literally feels like all of them happen all at the same time in this little office that I find myself in, often, you know, with the background noise of the dog barking. I've got a six-year-old daughter and an 18-month-old son who started walking in lockdown um, and is sort of permanently on a suicide mission. But one of the toughest things is that, you know, my husband and I both now work from home and share an office. um, So he has taken to critiquing me very often after calls. um, So I'm pretty glad that he's not listening in today.
1: Paula, over to you and thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thanks, Melanie. Um, and thanks,
2: Velma, um, for that introduction. And I can clearly relate to what you were saying about, you know, our offices having become homes. I think many a times when I knock off, and this is when I'm leaving my study to go and join the family in the living room, I'm receiving complaints that, you know, it was better when I was still going to the office than me working from home because I seem to be working more. I am Mpolahe Mushopi. I'm the CFO of Lanseria International Airport, a position I've occupied in the past two years, including these times when we've had to manage through this pandemic. It's been one of the challenging times in my career. However, we are hopeful because there are clearly signs that, you know, in, in due season, we will see the economy opening up. True to what Valma was saying, as the aviation or rather the air transport sector, we employ over half a million people, be it the airlines, the airports, or any organizations that manage or operate within the airport. And this has been very sad to experience as from the time that we closed our doors, all these people have had to stay at home and not coming to work. And really, we were also saying on the 27th of March, when the airports were closed, the new business became aircraft parking. It was about where are all these aircraft going to park? And fortunate for us, we were able to make space and they were able to get parking facilities. Closer to home as Lanseria, we give opportunities to about 4,500 people, be it as the airport or any organizations that currently um, operate at the airport. The airport, is quiet, and we are really just looking forward to a moment where we can have all these men and women Returning back to what they do best, we can only imagine what this has been as an impact to the families and We trust that even with more than half a million positive cases the the sector will soon open and We are hopeful because you know we have seen that there has been a rise in terms of recovery cases, and that gives us hope that even with the intra-provincial travel that's suddenly been allowed, it gives us hope that the aviation sector will soon return to what we know it. Pre-COVID, we used to have more than 1,500 movements a day. With the business aviation only opening up, we are sitting at about 250, which is less than a quarter of what we used to do. This is a good start. And we are hopeful that we will soon return to the
1: skies. Thank you, Paula, Larice, it's so great to, to see you and to have Thank you, you as lovely. part of our panel.
3: Um, afternoon to everybody. Thank you for the kind invitation to join this panel. I feel that the panelists are quite illustrious and I'm very glad to join them. By way of introduction, um, my name is Larice Rawls and I'm a Director for Finance at Boeing Capital Corporation. And I cover sub-Saharan Africa as well as Southeast Asia. And I think I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey with, with regards to my career, where I started many, many months ago in the accounting firms working in tax as a specialist in tax. I worked for KPMG as well as PWC. But I always yearned. I always yearned to be in the aviation industry. And um, when I received the opportunity to work for SAA, I really grabbed it with both hands. And um, my role then evolved from tax to corporate finance with aviation, And then I went on to um, work for NetBank and subsequently Boeing Capital. I have no regrets. Uh, The journey has been unbelievably rewarding for me. And there have been a lot of temptations with regards to getting me into another industry. Um, There's a lot that could have derailed me, but I'm one of those that hang on to the industry for dear life. And if you speak to any of the professionals in the industry, they'll tell you that this is just one of those industries that once you're in it, you don't really want to leave. The only exception that I know in this regard, of course, is Mel. And um, I know that she still holds aviation very dear to her heart. On the personal front, I live in a home in Johannesburg with my lovely son. Um, We live right next to his school. And at the moment, I think it's really just COVID keeping us indoors and working. Our sole outdoor activity is really me teaching him how to drive. Very harrowing. And so the only other activity we do is a little bit of a jog around the block. Um, But COVID in general is not um, treating us too badly um, compared to what's really going on in the rest of the world. From a Boeing perspective, you're going to hear the word unprecedented quite a lot because it really is an unprecedented shock to demand for air travel in this industry. Um, and it really does create um, tremendous challenge for us and for our customers and for our business and really for the entire manufacturing sector. Our view is that um, air travel has been resilient and that long-term demand fundamentals are still intact, so we do see it positively. But at Boeing, we really are working towards the ramp up of the MAX um, aircraft. The, the MAX return to service um, should be with us soon And because of that, we're working with customers and lessors, working with the financing community to support that. And the truth is we really are working to re-earn the trust of all of our stakeholders.
1: Thank you, Larisse. I would love to to continue our conversation talking about the present state of the industry. Um, I think each one of you have touched on it. Um, Before we move on to um, how you reimagine the future and perhaps the role that women can play in driving the recovery. Uh, Velma, uh, I think you've mentioned a little bit, but tell us a little bit more about the impact that COVID-19 and the last four months have had on your business. And how has Airbnb responded?
0: So it's it's no secret that our business has been significantly impacted. And, and that's been really tough. It's been tough um, on our team, but it's also been really tough on the thousands of hosts that we work with that really rely on um, on Airbnb as their economic lifeline. So our priority through this pandemic has been to support our hosts and then also to try and introduce measures so that they can safely reopen their homes to guests as and when the time is right. So, you know, there are a number of things that we did. Last month, we announced um, that we had provided Over a million rand of financial support to our hosts that had participated in the Airbnb Africa Academy program. So these are predominantly hosts from township communities across South Africa, and townships were really the first to be impacted, and when it comes to tourism, are probably going to be the last to recover. Additionally, um, we started a program which was inspired by our hosts called Get Behind the Mask, similar name to this series. And it was focused on getting our hosts to make and donate cloth face masks. And we were able to get together 25,000 cloth face masks that we donated to vulnerable communities across the country. Um, and then, you know, there's been some business pivots. So we don't just have a homes business, but we also do Airbnb Experiences. And we realized that, you know, you can't be doing experiences which are very much about people coming together in closed spaces. And so we pivoted the business to offering online experiences because we realized that there were a lot of people sitting at home that were looking for alternative ways of kind of entertainment and sometimes, you know, education. And so a lot of our hosts started hosting online experiences which have been hugely popular. Some of our hosts have made up to $100,000 a month. Uh Airbnb has also been the sponsor of the one of the sponsors of the Olympics for this year, which is obviously not happening. And so we've also used online experiences to profile um the the spirit of the Olympics. And over the last few weeks you've actually been able to do online experiences hosted by some of the participants of the um of the Olympics and top athletes, including South African surfer Geordie Smith. And then in terms of reopening We've really been focused on how do we make sure that our hosts can reopen safely. So we launched our enhanced cleaning protocols. These protocols very much meet and exceed, and we believe set the benchmark for cleaning protocols. They've been endorsed by the CDC as well as the World Travel and Tourism Council. Um, And then to try and make it as easy for our hosts to sign up to these protocols, but also to make sure that, you know, very often the host is not necessarily the person that's doing the cleaning to make sure that, you know, whoever is doing the cleaning has got all the training that they need. We've done two local partnerships with female-founded startups, um, Sweep South and another company called Proper Clean, to make sure that hosts can either have additional training for themselves or their cleaners. The Sweep South um, tre- tre- cleaners are actually being trained on Airbnb protocols. And then we're also create, um, curating bundles of
1: cleaning products for our hosts. Very impressive, Valma, and, and so great to see how um, the industry is adapting and, and showing resilience through, through these tough times. Paula, it's, it's no secret the aviation industry is a key enabler to attract tourism spend on the continent. And it also plays a key role in infrastructure development and job creation in Africa. And tell us a little bit more about the the current state of affairs. Uh, I think earlier you mentioned to us that uh, Lansira International Airport has opened for for business travel. Uh, What is it it currently like? From the
2: time that we closed for business uh, or rather suspended our operations, On the 27th of March, um, 2020, we then took the time to just think, you know, post-COVID in terms of what it will mean. And at that time, it was still difficult um, because there was a lot of uncertainty around how long the lockdown would last for. So beginning of May, the risk-adjusted strategy was implemented by government. And at that time, we went over to level four. Level three was attained in June. And at that time, the Minister of Transport also introduced um, or rather announced that air travel will also be open. We then took to work very closely with the South African Civil Aviation Association to try and make sure that we introduced processes and procedures that will ensure the safety of all our air travelers through the airport. There was a lot that we needed to review, especially because now safety was going to be our selling point as an airport, similarly to how Valma has seen it in their hospitality industry. You know, these days when people are traveling They want to know that the the places that they are engaging with have been adequately cleaned and that we are following to all the safety protocols that are required by government. One of the things that we've had to do also is to engage with our customers in preparation for us opening up for business to ensure that they are well informed in terms of the requirements of being processed through the airports. One of the big changes has been that access to the terminal, it's limited to passengers, and in some cases accompanied minors as well as people with disabilities. And we have found that a lot of people had done the research and really with the information that we were sharing, it was merely to share with people that were already educated with regards to the requirement. Furthermore, in terms of our processes, we always pride ourselves in terms of convenience and also connecting people to other places. And what has been a challenge, one that we have overcome, is to introduce touchless processing um, procedures through the airport as well as in the airlines. What that has meant is that when you get to the airport, there's very limited physical contract with the people that process you as a customer. And as well, if you are accessing any of the airport facilities, you need to wear a mask at all times. This has been a big change, one that the customers are complying with, and we are very grateful for that. The biggest impact though, has also been on the men and women that were employed by all these organizations within the airport, as well as the airlines in terms of reduced operations activities.
1: I think I'm hearing a, a bit of a theme developing around uh, the adaptability and the resilience through technology um, that the industry has applied, but we'll talk a little bit about that just now. and um, Larise of course, the, the pandemics also touched the aircraft manufacturers. Uh, tell us about how it's affected Boeing.
3: From the aircraft manufacturer's side, I have to say that it's obviously very challenging. And one of the biggest things is that we've seen is that um, airlines have cut back on operations dramatically. They're also making very difficult decisions that result in the grounding of their fleets, also deferring aircraft orders, um, and slowing down or in some cases even stopping payments. Um, We've also seen that airlines are really accelerating um, aircraft retirements. They're also deferring elective maintenance. And they also are requiring fewer services. Um, So the truth about that is that we probably have to ensure that we bridge properly to recovery. An important aspect of um, bridging to recovery is ensuring that the health is really ensuring the health of our, our supply chain. So we're doing everything we can to support our global suppliers, and um, their stability remains a key watch, watch item for us, right, in the aerospace industry. Also, um, as air travel resumes and we see that restrictions ease around the globe, we think it's very important that aircraft and passenger health and safety is is a priority for us. So we have something called the Confident Travel Initiative. I think we're going to delve into this a little bit later, but it really is about Boeing supporting our customers and working with industry stakeholders to support multiple layers of protection aimed at minimizing health risks for both passengers and for crew throughout the travel journey.
1: Thanks, Larisse. I'd I'd love for us to get back back to that and and what it may feel like once we we start traveling again. Uh, But I wanted to go back to to something that both Balma and Paula spoke about, which is the use of technology and innovation in this industry. Velma, I know that this is also um, a topic that you're exceptionally passionate about, and specifically the role that technology can play in driving inclusive growth and entrepreneurship across the continent. Um, how, how important do you think it is in, in a post-pandemic world uh, to, to look at how technology and innovation can support this industry?
0: Yeah, Mel, I think it's it's critically important But I don't necessarily think it's about kind of technology, you know, for the sake of technology. It's really about how do you use technology to solve problems? And then also, how do you use technology as an enabler or as a means to provide access? And so, for example, you know, Airbnb was born out of a crisis. It was born out of the 2008 crisis, and it came from solving a real problem is that, you know, within the financial crisis of 2008, people needed access to additional income streams and different ways of, you know, monetizing their assets. And and that's the solution, you know, or, or, the, or the way that Airbnb was able to solve a problem. And so I think the thing that is going to come out of this crisis is that we are, there are going to need to be a lot of problems that can be solved. And I think technology is an enabler and a way to to solve those problems. You know, and if we just start to think about, you know, the way in which people are going to travel. Paula was talking about, you know, the, the, the experience at Lanceria Airport being primarily kind of contactless. You know, a lot of that is being driven by technology. And how do you then, you know, use technology to enable guests to feel really safe in order to be able to resume traveling And then also, you know, on the supply side, how do you ensure that whoever's offering the experience um, can do so in a way that is really seamless?
1: Thanks for that, which, which I believe is a, is a beautiful segue into talking about what it may feel like uh, when we go back to traveling. Um, You know, as a family, we love to travel and I think it's one of the things we miss the most at the moment. Um, Paula. Uh, You you mentioned it a little bit earlier in terms of the the more contactless environment, but I'm sure I'm asking on behalf of most of our clients and other listeners listening in, when I say, what will it feel like when we start traveling again? So we're
2: very excited, Melanie, with, uh, you know, the fast tracking of technology, especially because our vision as Lanseria International Airport is to be a world-class smart airport. So prior COVID, we were well on our way of implementing some of these technologies at the airport. You know, one which comes to mind is the self-bag drop, where similarly to how you have an online check-in, you are able to get to the airport and check in your bag, without the assistance of anyone at the check-in counters. So we're very excited that with this COVID, a lot of the activities that would have probably taken years to implement has now been forced to be implemented within a space of weeks, if not months, due to the contactless you know, uh, processing that is being required, or rather that is being demanded by the conditions in which we find ourselves in. With regards to the airport, we w- currently a lot of the um, technology that we have, we're also striving to balance, um, as Velma was saying, for it becoming an enabler more than taking away people's jobs. Because as you can appreciate, in these situations that we find ourselves with the global downturn, There's a lot of concern around, you know, people being re-employed post this, especially with a lot of technology that is currently being engaged. So what we're also aiming to do is to implement technologies that will enhance the service offering to our passengers. And in that way, we are still able, to an extent possible, um, keep some of our employees because that is crucial Um, I hear a lot of talk, you know, about should we be expecting robotics? I think in the far future, yes, but not something yet, Um, you know, as we transition as a country, particularly with the large population still being semi-skilled, we need to work hand in hand to make sure that we transition with the
1: country in this aspects. Great. Larisse, then taking us airside and onto the aircraft. Talk to us about face masks and um, air circulation technology on aircraft.
3: Um, Okay, so on our side, we have something called the Boeing Confident Travel Initiative. This is a great initiative because it really is about um, Boeing supporting our customers and really working with industry stakeholders to develop multiple layers of protection. Um, so it's aimed at minimizing the health risk for, for passengers and crews um, throughout the t- travel journey from point A to point B. Um, there's three layers to this, and the first layer um, really is having measures to prevent passengers from boarding the aircraft that, um, that may have the virus. Um, this is important to us, but it, it does indicate that, um, that the responsibility rests with both the airline as well as the passenger themselves, um, who shouldn't really board if they're feeling sick. And Mpulaheng has covered a little bit about about how that boarding does take place. So the first layer seems to be in place already. And then with regards to the second layer, um, it really is about assisting airlines with regards to um, cleaning and disinfecting, uh, disinfecting practices. Um, The airplane should be um, fully disinfected and Boeing has some recommended and approved disinfectants which we use on the surfaces inside the cabin um, that that passengers are likely to touch on their way to their seats or throughout the flight. That's the second layer. Then if we talk about the third layer, it's really about the cabin itself. And uh, many people might not know this, but um, the cabin air is replaced every two to three minutes within the cabin. This is quite remarkable because the cabin's airflow system was really de- designed to prevent exactly this kind of airborne carrier. So the cabin is really fitted with a HEPA filter, which is a high-efficiency particulate air filter. And this filter traps 99.9% of bacteria and viruses, and it prevents it from circulating through the cabin, right? Um, this is, these HEPA filters are very similar to the ones used in hospitals and all Boeing aircraft have these HEPA filters. Furthermore, we are also researching some new technologies. Um, One of these um, is the use of the proven ultraviolet technology to sanitize the flight deck. Um, This this is currently a a technology that we're looking at to be able to use in the future.
1: Perhaps if I can uh, ask one pop question, a pop quiz question in one sentence, the the question on everybody's mind, how long? How long before we can start traveling again? How long before the recovery of the the industry? Uh, Valma, looking into your crystal ball, uh, any guesses?
0: The thing we know is that tourism will recover. I mean, it's just about how and when. I think that, you know, a lot of it will come back, you know, as and when there is a vaccine. You know, whether that takes six months or 18 months, I don't know. But I would suggest that kind of tourism as we know, as we used to know it, is never going to come back. It's going to be a very, very different type of tourism that will emerge. Wow. Mpola. Yes, I, I think it's, it's gonna be sooner,
2: um, that we can start traveling again. And I'm saying this and I'm hoping it's the same logic that government will apply that in the main, people know what to do now. You know, people are walking around with their sanitizers. People are keeping to their distance, um, attending less events and really walking around with masks. So, you know, my, Crystal Ball tells me worst case scenario November, um, but I'm hoping I can start selling more tickets now in September.
1: I really do hope that you're right. The reason I know that your your long-term outlook is quite bullish, um, but yeah, what does the
3: short-term look like? So on the Boeing side, we're really encouraged by the signs of recovery, the early signs. Um you'll see that in the past few weeks um the the global environment has shown that it is actually quite dynamic. So this is good news. We're also seeing different paces of recovery in different parts of the globe. We'll see that China's obviously been up much faster than North America, and North America follows soon after that, and then of course the rest of the globe. So we are seeing different paces in, in different areas. And then um We still see, the obviously, the continued growth of the COVID-19 cases, and this does mean that there is a corresponding um, travel restriction and quarantine policies in in all of those countries, and we feel that that's probably going to dampen on on the near-term recovery, right? Um, So our estimate for this is that it will probably take around two to three years for travel to return to pre-COVID levels. And um, probably a few years beyond that before the industry can return to long-term trend growth. So that's our estimate. What we are seeing on our side is really that in the near term, um, wide-body fleets or the the larger aircraft are likely to be more significantly impacted than the single single ale or the narrow-body aircraft, the smaller ones. Um, And in the long term, um, we see that the fundamentals that are driving air travel are still intact. In other words, we still have a connecting world. We still have the the, the affordability of air travel. We still have a a growing middle class. And and specifically in Africa, there's probably um, economies that are completely dependent on a national airline. So the fundamentals that drive um, travel, we feel will remain intact. And we don't anticipate any deep structural changes to air travel
1: in the long term. Thank you. I would like to take this opportunity to thank our panelists for their time and sharing their insights into what's happening in the hospitality and travel industry at the moment, and most importantly, for highlighting the critical role that women can and do play in its future. It's been an honor to be in the company of such amazing women, leaders, and moms. And in wrapping up, I want to invite our clients and other South African women that have joined today to follow the rest of our series called Honoring the Women Behind the Mask. You can learn more at Investec.com forward slash women. Thanks again to our panelists and thanks for joining us.